Love a good fright? Stream your fears with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and acclaimed exclusives like Creepshow and Slasher, Flesh and Blood, experience what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series covers the horror spectrum, meaning there's something for every type of horror, thriller, and supernatural fan. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder, so good, it's scary. The Real Time Crime Podcast is for true fans of true crime. Join Leah Lamar and Teddy Mellencamp for an iHeartRadio original podcast dedicated to armchair detectives. Embark on a quest to unravel unsolved mysteries and delve into current criminal trials in real time. Why do I obsess over true crime? It's because I need to know every detail because they say that the devil's in the details. Listen to Real Time Crime on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a reason podcasts are popping up everywhere. Podcasts can make you money. And Spreaker is the easiest way to start a podcast. You could literally record your first episode today. Spreaker has all the tools you need to record, edit, publish, and yeah, monetize your podcast all in one place. And it's free. So tell your story and make money while doing it. Start your podcast for free now at Spreaker.com slash make money. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com slash make money. From the iHeart Podcast Network. If we're ever going to get the right person, knowing where everyone was is getting to be really important. That's what I would say. So we have several issues we need to clear up with Casey's timeline. Exactly when did he leave work on Monday? How did he get home? And did he go home on Tuesday to change before work? And if he did, how did he miss the mess of the crime scene? If we're going to get to the bottom of this, we need to find some of the people who were working at Sonic on the Monday Rebecca disappeared. Taylor has been texting one of our local contacts who was working at the Sonic around the time Rebecca was killed. They mention a story we have also heard from multiple people, that Casey had gone home between leaving work on Monday and returning to work on Tuesday. This person claims to be in communication with a couple of other people who allegedly spoke to Casey about this. If we could find a way to absolutely verify this information, it could be a game changer. His story was consistent in the beginning that he did not go home, right? So if we can even, if, if, if he did, even if he, we get him to admit, yeah, I went home to change shirts, or we find someone who can absolutely verify that he said that, that he mentioned going home to change shirts, or that the timeline was a little weird, that right there is enough to reopen the investigation because he was, by Charlie's own words, suspect number one. Charlie was the first officer on the scene. He was the one who found the blood in Casey's house. And the reason they ruled him out was because of his airtight alibi. If we can point, poke a hole in that, then they've got it. they got to take another look. They have to. Like, I really just want to talk to these people who were working at Sonic. I just want to know how he got home, when he went home, and if he actually did go home. In September of 2004, 22-year-old Rebecca Gould was brutally murdered in a remote area of the Arkansas Ozarks. 14 years later, her killer is still out there. I've come back to Mountain View with one mission, to get justice for Rebecca. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Helen Gone.
We're over two months into our investigation, and Taylor and I step back to look at the whole murder board so far. So many threads, so many dead ends, so many post-it notes. As I trace the lines spider webbing from picture to picture, I see many of the rumors, accusations, and same questions that the town won't let go of. We've followed a lot of leads and investigated a lot of the rumors that we've heard in town. And by following the evidence, we've eliminated a lot of them as likely suspects. JB, Chris, Jennifer, the group theory, hundreds of other names we've heard. But we're having a harder time with Casey. Ironically enough, the first and only person that the police have cleared. Like I said in the beginning, everyone in this case has at least two sides. Is Casey the sweet, caring boyfriend who is head over heels for Rebecca that his friends describe? Or the Care Bear psycho that Danielle talked about? I get a call from someone who has been following the case and the podcast. He dated Rebecca shortly before her murder and had an interaction with Casey that he can't get out of his head. An ex-boyfriend could have an ax to grind, so we have to check his story carefully. But a quick call with Danielle, Rebecca's sister, confirmed that he did date Rebecca and also confirmed a lot of the details he mentions. Well, me and Rebecca met at a club, which it's no longer open. It was in Batesville. And a girlfriend of mine introduced me and her together. We dated for, I guess it was like three or four weeks, probably. It was like a month or so before she got killed. I mean, our first date was pretty much like I went to, we were going to go to the store, have a few drinks. And, you know, I was just hanging out. And it was me and her and her sister and her sister's fiance at their house. Well, we left and we went to one um, liquor store and it was closed. So we went to the other one and it was closed. So we ended up just drinking what we had. I mean, because that's all there is to do back home was like buy back roads and drink beer. Like most of the men in Rebecca's life, he was smitten. But it didn't take him long to realize their relationship could not go further because there was someone causing drama in Rebecca's life. And that someone was Casey. Casey was not, like, he was just, apparently she had, like, slept with him one time, and he just, well, was, like, ballistic, and she just wanted to be friends. Well, he had, like, showed up there, just out of the blue, but he, I ended up being, like, civil with him and stuff, and at the end of the night, we were all getting ready, like, to go to bed and stuff. Well, he was just staying, like, he would not leave, just not leave. It was, like, very uncomfortable. And like they had like went outside and talked for a second, like he was just bawling and crying and just like emotionally just distraught over everything. Like I was fixing to leave. I was just like, screw this, I'm going back home. I ain't got yeah. time to deal with this drama. And I was like, your boy out there is fixing to freak out. And if he comes in or start anything, then I'm gonna handle it. He's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of it. If he does, he'll be fine. I was like, here he is, you know, acting a fool. I'm like, look, man, I'm just gonna shut you down right now. Like, if you want to go, we can go. Otherwise, you need to keep your mouth shut because you don't know me. Like, I mean, she was, like, all the time, he was, like, constantly showing up where she was, wanting to know where she was, like, just wanted to know where she was at 24-7, just controlling. And I guess he had done that to a couple other people, and they didn't really want to, like, put up with it or deal with it, so they just kind of, like, backed off. But every time we was together, he was constantly blowing her phone up, like, messaging her, like, where you at, what are you doing, who you with? I mean, it was just, he was just not very overly possessive of her for them just being friends, which I know she stayed with him on and off, 
but she would stay there because it was close to where she worked and she didn't have to drive all the way back to Mount View. But then, I mean, he was just emotional, like just, I mean, he bawled and cried like two or three times, you know, that night, like once, whenever he had got there and like found out that me and her was actually going out, you know, somewhere and doing something. And then at the end of the night, like when they went outside, that was just, he was just like bawling and crying and just, I mean, I just kind of let it go and I was just like, okay, you know, God, it was nice meeting you. I had fun with you. Things don't work out hard at me. And I just kind of left it at that. It was like a month or two later, you know, everybody at work knew that me and her were somewhat dating. They was like, hey, you know, her, her boyfriend, I'm like, her boyfriend, like, she was with Casey. I was like, oh, that's not her boyfriend. And she's like, well, she's missing. And I'm like, what? Just his demeanor and everything, like, he's controlling. You can tell he's just overly possessive of that. She told me she looked up to the way her dad was and like what he had and what he had accomplished and like you know she's like I want to be successful in my life I want to do this I want to do that like she had so much goals and dreams and ambitions she was just stuck between that phase of like growing up and you know actually accomplishing things and doing things that she wanted to do and then being sucked into you know being young dumb and you know having fun. As he talks about a relationship with Rebecca. A picture of what she was going through at the time of her murder begins to emerge. Rebecca was trying to play down her relationship with Casey. She thought of Casey as a friend with a crush. He was her past, not her future. He's also like very shy and timid. Right. You know, like his personality. Like, I mean, he's going to be loud about something like he was that night. And then once I shut him down, he was just like, okay, I don't want to cross him lines because. You know, I don't think he's been in a fight or anything in his life either. And I mean, I wasn't too worried about him because he was very, you know, shy and timid. You know, I dealt with ex drama before with, you know, other people that I've dated and I just wasn't really wanting to deal with that. I even think I went up to Sonic one time after we started dating um, to talk to him and he wouldn't come out and talk to me because the guys from work would go up there and eat and stuff. And, I guess he had been up there running his mouth about me, saying he was going to beat my ass, and he was going to this, and he was going to that. And one day after work, I just went up there and was like, hey, man, you got a problem? He's like, no, and he just run right back inside. I mean, I just want to see something. I can't believe it's just gotten, I mean, it just kind of got very, like, you heard a lot about it when it first happened, like, she was missing, everybody find her. And then once they found her, it's like everything just kind of went hush-hush. Yeah. Like, they didn't release no information. They didn't really. The only thing that I remember them releasing was that Casey had been cleared. That's the only thing. As possessive as he was, if she left, like, he supposedly, like they say, he supposedly, she supposedly left and went to college, and he didn't hear from her, he would be flipping out that night. Right. He wouldn't be out partying and drinking. I'll tell you that right now. Just from his demeanor, he's not going to be out partying and drinking and be like, oh, you know, I mean, because obviously he went home the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I mean, it's, to me, it's just, it don't, it don't make sense. Wish you the best. and Thank just you. you. know, I mean, just be careful of the people <laughs> that you're around up there. I mean, it's, I it's just a bunch. I mean, it's such a small town. I really wish I could get Casey to talk. We have two questions that need answering. One, did Casey go home at any point between the murder and work the next day? And two, how did Casey get to his friend's house after work? We need to lock in what Casey was doing on the day Rebecca was murdered, because we're hearing conflicting stories about his timeline and his relationship with Rebecca. 
but one of his co-workers must know something. So we focus on tracking down one of Casey's friends who also worked at Sonic, the same friend he was out all Monday night with, Laren. He was pretty easy to find, because it's not like Laren is a common name in the area. He suggests meeting at a Starbucks in Little Rock, near where he lives. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years, and my mom's always like, I saw Casey at the dollar store, you know, he's doing well, so. He's, yeah, he's married now. Yeah, got yeah. a kid I see on Facebook, yes. Laren is huge, six foot nine. When he smiles, he looks like the kind of guy I'd want to have a beer with, but he's also very physically intimidating. And then once we started working together, me and Casey got real close. Uh, there's history there with basketball, and then uh, music was what me and Casey were, you know, we, we really connected about. Y'all were in a band, right? No, he was, a, well, he was, right. but he was a great musician, and I loved music, and, you know, no, I wasn't so inclined at the time. But. What were Rebecca and Casey like as a couple? Um, I'm a very lovey-dovey. I'm very just <laughs> sickening, you know, that kind of thing. Like, if you, yeah. Get a room? Yeah, yeah, and uh, gosh. They, uh, and it was, like we said, we were like be guarded because he seemed more into her than she was into him, just being honest, you know. But she also seemed like she was just trying to start fresh, like she was trying to get away from all that shit. And she really was. But they, as a couple, they were just, you know, like, we love you, I mean, I can't even, that's what I was trying to think yesterday, too. Like, my mind's been racing for the last 24 hours, trying to remember, like, little stuff and, you know, I can't, I couldn't remember how long they'd been together when that happened. I can't remember, I can't remember when I was told that she had been murdered, like where I was or what we was doing. I remember the investigators, and then I remember, you know, of course, you know, us trying to, you know, minute by minute break down the day, the day before. What did the, what did the investigators ask? They asked, you know, like, what, uh, what did you guys do? They were more uh, interested, and I'm pretty sure having all of us sit down that went that night and telling them the story to make sure it wasn't something that we were blowing smoke sure. or whatever, you know, because it took them a little while to get the camera and the receipts and all that stuff. But they were more about the night, you know, wanting to know where Casey was. Did he ever leave at any time? You know, did stuff like that, you know. And, you know, obviously we all slept that night eventually. So, I mean, that was another thing it's, that I was like, is it possible that could have got up in the middle of the night, left my house, and then come back in the amount of time that we were asleep. And I got, I, I just don't think it was possible. All of us had pretty loud vehicles. And at my place, we liked to be able to hear people coming and going. We were always afraid the cops were going to bust or something. Yeah. And that was another thing. They were like, you dude, they're like, look, we're they're like, just be transparent. We don't give a shit about yeah. weed. They're like, we're not trying to bust a bunch of teenagers smoking weed. Like, you no, know, obviously we're trying to, you know. but yeah, we, uh, we all had a good time together, but it was, God. So I just um one more time though. So the day of the the day this all okay. happened Monday. So you guys left work. God, that was all on Monday. Uh, it was all on Monday. When we got home, we would have watched wrestling then, so we would have probably been up a little later. But uh, Casey wasn't with you guys then. He rode with Philip. I think so. I think I because I, I don't think he had a car at the time. That's the thing. Oh, so I, I know. Like, I, I know for whatever reason, he was without vehicle. Where was Casey's truck? And if Rebecca drove him to work, how was he planning on getting home? I remember specifically he didn't have a vehicle because when we got back home and he started saying, like, man, I can't get a hold of Rebecca. I'm kind of worried about it. We were all like, dude, let's just go to bed. She's fine. 
because we would have had to take it, which we probably should have. Or maybe we would have walked in and got murdered. I don't know. But, uh, Do you remember what time y'all went to bed that night? Seemed like we watched a normal, like, 7 o'clock movie. And we came back, and we probably did our thing, smoked a lot of weed. Uh, probably midnight, one. I mean, it's a normal night. I'd have to just guess on a normal night because I, I you know, I... Was he, uh, like, he seemed totally normal that night, or...? No, I don't think, like, because, like I said, it seemed, seemed like... See, I'm, this is the part where it's like, I don't... If, if I'm just trying to remember it that way, or if that's the way it was, but it seemed like there was, like, a, uh, an understanding that she was about to have a, a confrontation that was going to be something that she was, that he was like, oh, I hope it goes well. Yeah. Something like that, kind of looming. Like, you know, she had some things she had to take care of. That's why she had the truck and she was going to try to, I don't know. I, that, you know, I don't want to say that and then that be, you know, completely no, no, I mean, off. But like, I feel like that's what I remember. Laren doesn't remember a whole lot. And to be fair, it has been 14 years. In my experience as an investigator, people tend to remember specific detail around crucial events in their lives. But Monday started out as just an average day. I, there's no way I could say intelligently on who worked that day. No, fair enough. I mean, yeah. well, I, I, is there any way, like, if one of y'all wanted to take time off during the day, you could have? I mean, all the time. Like, like, hey, I need to go run and do something. Sure. We were all really close. So if it was like, I need to go do something, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. What time did Casey finish usually? At some point, he went to just days. Like, he didn't want to work nights anymore. But that was the nature of the store was, like, you sometimes, like, your schedule could look like this. Monday, you could open at 7 and get off at 1 or 2. You could come in Tuesday 11 to 4. You could go 4 to close on Wednesday. You right. could come back in 6 to six to 10. On uh, It was just always – but Casey eventually got to where he just, just worked days, you know. And he was – you know, he as far as good <laughs> cooks and Sonic go, you know, he, he was – one of he was the, one of the best we had, you know. So we always had him in the prime times. Once we left the store, I, I know for a fact that he was never anywhere but with us. Right. And the moments leading up to that, which I'm pretty sure she dropped him off. But if she, that, if he worked that morning, she would have dropped him off that morning. Yes. With his truck, and then he would have worked, and then he would have waited for one of us to got off work to rode out to my place, and then we would have went out. But I I can't remember how he got to. Our house, and also I don't remember why we went back to my house because we could have just left and went to Walmart and hit to baseball. But it may have been a change, smoke, who knows? But I do know that for a fact we wound up back at my place, then back to Batesville, and then back to my place. And he was with us, you know, the whole time. And then we slept, and he got up the next morning and left. But uh, God, I want to say Philip, I don't think I worked that morning. The next morning. For some reason, I seem to recall, like, watching him and leave, you know? I was excited when he called because I want to get, you know, closure to this. But that's how it's going to happen is now going back, piece things together, things that you didn't think were important because when it happens, you know, you can't focus on, so, I don't know, I watch too many shows. There seem to be a few people who may have had a motive. And sure, it was, sure. you know, it's a tough one. Yeah, and then when you allow yourself to be objective, like, you know, moving, you know, going forward to to remove myself from, you know, Casey being one of my best friends ever, you start to think like, well, how, you know, and I mean, that's it too is you got to know where that is to get to it. Have you ever been there? 
Yeah, I'm sure you have. I've driven by, I mean, just driven by, but it's. That was another thing that got me, and I know we're chasing rabbits no, here. No, it's cool. I've got no, I've got all the time in the world. So that was another thing was, if you look at like if you know that area well enough. I do now. If if you're if you're from Mountain View. Why go back through Melbourne to where they found her body? You know, right. like, I mean, maybe like if they see me going through Mountain View, they're gonna fuck with me because they always do. You know, maybe I'd rather right. go through Melbourne, or, you know, or is it because, I, you know, like did they go through Mountain View and then come all the way back around because they're like, well, that's an obvious place. Honestly, like you said, like having watched, that's an obvious place to dump a body. The two towns Laren is referring to are Melbourne and Mountain View. What he's explaining is, in order to dump the body, if the killer was from Mountain View, he or she was going out of their way. So you many, never know. There's so many places out there that, I'm, I can think of three or four different places that we partied on Highway 9. You know, just places that you wouldn't know unless you knew, you know, like old cabins off in the middle of nowhere, that, you know. But they... Uh, so you think it wasn't a good spot to dump it? No, but I mean, I'm from that area. My stepdad's always like, I'm never gonna kill somebody. I'd dump them in the salt mines of Gun. You know, I'm just saying, like, there's there's more. My dad says the river. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But yeah. They, uh, but that just, I just, I don't know. I find that weird that, because I've always felt and had the, the, the belief that it was somebody from out here, somebody from that old clique. But yeah, but why go back through Melbourne? You know, I mean, was you trying to get to that spot? I mean, if so, that's probably the quickest way. But if you're from Mountain View, everybody goes back to Mountain View through Gine. If you're on the Gine Road. Yeah, it's quicker. It's quicker. It's more secluded. I don't know. I've just always looked at that and thought there, there might be something there. Like, why go through Melbourne? Like, Did they or you or anybody ever, like, party at Casey's house? No, actually. No. See, his dad, I think, was driving a truck or something yeah like I, I really didn't even know where he lived for like the longest time so because he just didn't live there it was his dad's place you know so he would stay with Patrick or you know whoever you know and uh, even to this day I think I've been in that place one time and it was the time that I met his dad and I want to say that was before all that Laren claims to have been one of Casey's best friends at the time and he didn't even know exactly where Casey lived but at the same time, like I said, it was kind of a rare thing for us to get him away, like, like because he was so involved, you know. So I remember thinking, like, all right, Casey's going out, you know, we're gonna, let's you know, get down, you know, party. But since it was, you know, such a, a rare thing, was it planned to be that way? You know, it's freaky shit that you think about when you start watching these shows, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty clear he went through. I mean, that's pretty, it's just the, the mystery is, like, who in the world would do that at someone else's house and then clean up? That's the really weird that's, the, that's one of the weirdest things about the case. I didn't know they cleaned up. Yeah. I thought it was left a mess, and that's how they found out. Like, like if I'm telling this story to somebody, I, a friend of mine now, I say, she was murdered, and they had a piano leg missing. And I, I said that what we heard was that she was, for the longest time, was that she was beat to death so bad that there was enough blood that went through the mattresses, through the floorboards, into the underpinning of the trailer. And that there was a piano leg missing and you could tell where somebody had drug a body out the door. Uh, and then later we heard that it was a gunshot that had killed her. Oddly enough, this is actually the first I'm hearing of a gunshot. So, like, that's, that's like, I don't know, that's what I tell my friends, I don't really know uh, how, you know, how it all went down, but I said apparently it was brutal, whatever happened, you know. I mean, did Casey ever talk to you about who you thought did it? I'm sure. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, at some point, it becomes something that we just didn't bring up. 
Of know? course. Because it was like... It's like the black And hole. it's not to be mean, but at, at some point it was like... And you don't want to say, like, get over it. But at some point, you, you know, you just get to be like, look, why bring it up if it's just going to be this thing you know this thing you know and so it became this thing that nobody talked about you know because we just wanted Casey to feel you know to feel better like you know we, we wanted him so bad for him to and that's like why, why whenever you know he met we were like yeah thank god yeah <laughs> you know uh but then now you know, I'm, I'm glad he's with I think yeah uh, and happy that's good you know, that's great it's great it's just crazy how you can feel so passionately. But when someone's taken from you, it's different, but you can feel so passionately about somebody and then it just wind up not being right, you know? Well, listen, thank you. If you no, think no of problem. anything else, uh, like, please, you know. If you, if you think of something and want to run it by me, then make me think of something or help are you, me are to you okay remember. Oh, I find it odd the various ways Rebecca and Casey's relationship has been portrayed. I hear from her sister that she wanted to break up. I hear from his close friends they were inseparable. And I hear from a relatively neutral party that he was obsessed and couldn't leave her alone. You're listening to Helen Gone. We'll be right back. Love a good fright? Start streaming and screaming with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and critically acclaimed exclusives, discover what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series cover the entire horror spectrum, meaning there's something for every type of fan. Come experience highly anticipated new releases like Superhost, Seance starring Suki Waterhouse, and the Boulay Brothers' Dracula. Plus, don't miss out on Creepshow, Slasher, Flesh and Blood, and other must-see Shudder exclusives you won't find anywhere else. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder. So good, it's scary. This episode is sponsored by Maidenhome. High-quality, handcrafted furniture for the modern home. Maidenhome brings you thoughtfully designed custom furniture, handcrafted in North Carolina. This region is home to some of the world's most talented artisans who are experts in woodworking, upholstery, and finishing. By partnering directly with these family-owned workrooms, Maidenhome gives you access to the world's finest craftsmanship without the retail markup. From sofas and sectionals to tables and beds, you'll find beautiful heirloom-quality pieces that will last for years, and with over 60 fabrics and leathers and a variety of wood finishes to choose from, you can create a piece custom to your design style. Enjoy complimentary white glove delivery on all orders, a lifetime warranty, and easy returns within 30 days. To browse the latest collection and order free swatches, visit MadeInHome.com. That's M-A-I-D-E-N-H-O-M-E.com to start building your custom piece today. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Talking with Laren, I find he's frustrated with how significantly the 14 years has fogged his memory. But we keep talking. Shockingly, 
Laren tells me that he was never brought back in for questioning after Rebecca's body was found. It's also incredibly frustrating that in a case where everything hinges on an alibi, so many details of the timeline were vague. Since this interview, we've received the official police statements from some of Casey's friends who were with him on the day Rebecca was murdered. And since Laren was one of them, his statement helps us clear up some questions we have about the timeline. Casey's truck was parked in Batesville, and they all drove Casey to pick it up. So we can reasonably believe that Casey had his truck on Monday night and into Tuesday morning. Laren also says that they left Sonic at around 4 p.m. We know that Rebecca dropped Casey off that morning, and we had always heard that Casey told police she was planning on going back to school. That's why he went out with his friends that night and stayed out all night. But if that's the case, why was he telling his friends that Rebecca was supposed to pick him up and never showed? I also can't get the last sentence of Laren's statement out of my head. It said, when we returned from Batesville, Casey used my phone. After he hung up, he stated that Rebecca was missing. That's when it really seemed odd that he didn't head straight out the door to find her. Taylor and I have both been working day and night to try to contact every single person who may have been at Sonic that day. Okay, so I just talked to Bruce and he confirmed that he was working at Sonic that day. And Casey was the cook. And he said the cooks went on their shift between eight and nine a.m. And he remembered Rebecca dropping Casey off at work because he knew her. He said he the last thing that happened, he dropped, she pulled in, Casey gets out, she drops him off. He said she waved at him, and that's the last time he ever saw her. She drove off. Um, and he said that Casey's shift would have ended at about one, between one and two, but that means he could have left as early as one. Casey was on the early shift that Monday, which meant that his shift would have ended between one and 2 p.m. But Laren said that the group didn't leave Sonic until later, at around four. Um, now, Bruce did say, you know, the cops came around and he said if he, if he left, he would have had to clock out because, the you know, where you clock in and out is right next to my desk. But then he went on to say, when I was asking how Casey got a ride home, because he said Rebe he confirmed Rebecca dropped him off that day. And he's like, well, you know that town, everybody's friends, everybody gives everybody lifts. Like, so if it's that easy to get in and out and, you know, drive around, then, yeah, I mean, it would have been so easy for him to get a lift from anybody. I asked him the important questions about Casey. Um, he didn't volunteer a huge amount. He did answer them. He didn't volunteer a huge amount. I know they're really good friends. Um, he said that, uh, I mean, I'm sure now, I'm sure this is gonna get back to Casey. He will now, he'll, not, he'll know that we're asking when he clocked in, when he clocked out. According to police, Casey's alibi was airtight, but our investigation has poked some holes in that alibi. First, the timelines and the statements that Casey's friends gave to police were vague, so there could have potentially been missing time in the afternoon. Secondly, Bruce told me that he would have seen Casey if he clocked out, but Laren, Teresa, and other Sonic employees have all told me that Bruce went in and out all the time. Finally, Casey lived just a few miles away from Sonic, just a 10-minute ride down the dirt road cutthroat we took. And Laren said that it was not uncommon for the employees to unofficially clock out to run errands. This means that there could potentially have been time unaccounted for in the morning. Well, I'm still kind of confused as to why she had to have been murdered around like 10 a.m. Time of death, 
I'm not a pathologist, but just from like reading a lot of autopsies and the pathologists I talk to, I know time of death is very difficult to determine even under the best circumstances when the body's found right away. And it's partly based on when the person was seen last anyway, according to the, according to the physical evidence. Um, I just cannot believe he would have literally had to be, in order for him to be ruled out in this killing, he would have had to have every single moment of his day documented on camera from Monday morning and through to the next day. We've now talked to Teresa, a car hop who not only was a friend of Rebecca's, she knew Jennifer and Casey. We've talked to Bruce, the manager on duty that day, and Philip, Laren's roommate. We're starting to get their individual stories and piece together the details from that day. As we do, we hear something we've never heard before. Someone mentions that they heard Casey dropped his truck off at Sonic on Sunday evening and drove home with Rebecca. This detail floors me. How the hell did his car get to Batesville? And how did he get back? So according to the official statements, Casey's friends drove him to pick up his car in Batesville on Monday afternoon. So if Casey's truck was at Sonic on Monday morning, how did it get to Batesville by that afternoon? According to the police statements, Casey told his friends that his father drove his truck to Batesville. But we had always heard that his father, who was a trucker, was on the road that day. The, the mystery of the truck has like all, bothered all of us so much since the beginning because at the end of the day, even, even the question about where it was for the next few days has bothered me. Um, because Charlie said that Casey didn't have his truck at Sonic the next day. The whole reason he was ruled out is because he was supposedly had no transportation and was there all day. So the minute you start saying, okay, he wasn't there all day, and actually he did have transportation, and his transportation mysteriously dis you know, was in Batesville by that afternoon, unless someone drove his truck. This is a huge piece of the puzzle. According to the police, Casey was the prime suspect at the beginning of the case. He was only ruled out due to his airtight alibi. That alibi hinged on two factors, that he was at work all day and that he did not have transportation. If Casey had his truck at work, that changes everything. The more we dig into Casey's timeline, the more questions we have. And unfortunately, Casey won't answer them. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. GEICO knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that GEICO always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. GEICO Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico, great service without all the drama. I'm shopping in Walmart, one of the few places in town with cell phone reception, when I get a text message. It's a potential witness. I'm looking at turkey decoys and guns and people in camouflage gearing up for hunting season, and my hands are shaking as I read it. He says he knows Casey and has something he needs to tell me. When I get back to the car, I call him. Because he knows Casey, he doesn't want to be identified, so we've disguised his voice. Hello? Oh, hi. I I just got your text. This is Catherine. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, our whole, I mean, we just want to find the person who did it. We're not, you know what I mean? We're not, we don't care about anything else. Me and Casey... And a guy named probably tell you the same story. Like he's in prison right now, but and on like four different occasions, because I, I mean, I know four for sure. We were Casey was drinking two of them nights and just blew, I mean, not I mean, not belligerent drunk, just crying belligerent. He he said that he killed her and and y'all didn't find the weapon, correct? Well, it, the police haven't shared any information with me, but we've found a lot of, you know, we've gotten a lot of information. Um, did he say where the weapon was? He said he put it in the river on the way to Highway 9 from Guyon. And this happened like, like I said, four times I can remember and then one day he was just, he, he, something had been wrong for three or four days and he just wasn't himself. And when he wasn't drunk this night and he said the same thing, he said that his story was, and I, I didn't really think much about it until I heard, I didn't know that she'd been hit with a, a blunt object like it was. I never knew any things. And she, he said that pretty much that she was telling him that this would be the last time that he saw her or she'd be the last, last time to see him because they were, I guess, coming to an end. I do not, I didn't know, he didn't know her personally, but they got into it and she said some offensive things to him and the way he said it, he just lost it. And he said, next thing he knows, he's cleaning stuff up and he said they almost had him, but they couldn't because they thought the timeline was different because he was supposedly at work when that happened. But he said they had the timeline mixed up on him. Did he say he went home from work or? Uh, he didn't know, ma'am. He did not say that. And I just didn't know if he was just blowing smoke. But it's bothered me for a long time. But here in the last few weeks, because I saw that thing, something on Facebook saying who killed her back in the... You come on the radio and it just kind of sent me back down there. 
Well, listen, I mean, I, I so appreciate you doing it, and I know, I mean... And I know that he's your friend, and I know that it's got to be hard, and I really, really appreciate it. I mean, if we do have to go to the police with this, would you be willing to come with us? I mean, my dad is a really good guy, and he's a deputy sheriff, and then there's the Arkansas State Police. I mean, you know, just so you don't have to go in in Melbourne. If they come down to it, I had to. I mean, the thing that really got me was because I never knew. I, I didn't know how they killed it. I had no clue. Sure. And then somebody, I was at my new job, and they were talking about it, and they said the cop said it was a blunt object. Because I always thought Casey, Casey was just bullshitting me. Never... never I thought he's, you know, he's just, just blowing smoke. And then when he said he hit her with a wooden object, I know that much, and it was bigger, like baseball bat. So, you know, not, not a baseball bat, but, you know, string logistics. Mm-hmm. He said on his way, he stopped on the dying bridge and threw it out. Wow. Um, I don't know how you prove it. I mean, but, I mean I'm just saying, and he's, he said that more than once to us. And like I said, it's bothered me for a while. Well, I am going to have to go to the police with it just because I have to. I mean, what I I mean, I would really love it if we could go together. So that's why I I mean, I want to. I I know he's your friend. I know it's hard, but like I I want to get you know this person caught. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, listen. Um, thank you so much. As investigators, we can't draw conclusions from a single witness. So this may not be the evidence that's needed to finally close this case, but it might be the evidence that blows it wide open. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Helen Gone. is a joint production between How Stuff Works and School of Humans. It is written and recorded by me, Katherine Townsend. Taylor Church is our producer and story editor. Audio editing and design by Jonathan Sleep. Mix engineer, Glenn Matulo. Audio mixing and love by Tune Welders. Executive producers, Brandon Barr and L.C. Crowley for School of Humans, and Connell Byrne and Chuck Bryant for How Stuff Works. Our field producer is James Morrison. Our researcher is Sandy Klosterman. Theme and original score by Ben Soli. Available wherever you get your music. To dig into the investigation, please visit HelenGonePodcast.com or follow us on social media. Support for this podcast is from Williams. We make clean energy happen. Williams is the first North American midstream company to establish a climate commitment and an immediate approach to a sustainable future. We've released our 2020 sustainability report to track progress on our ESG goals, which includes a near-term emissions reduction target of 56% by 2030. We're leveraging our natural gas-focused strategy to fight climate change today and build a clean energy economy tomorrow. Our infrastructure and commitment are transforming the future of energy. Learn more at williams.com. We've all felt left out. 
And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.